This episode of Spawn is brought to you by Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamins for women that get delivered right to your door. Ritual's essentials, like their essential for women, have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms, and no shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Visit ritual.com slash spawn to start your ritual today and save 10% during your first three months. That's ritual.com slash spawn to start your ritual today and save 10% during your first three months. Hey, it's Kristen, and you know what? Spring is here. That's why we want to share one of our favorite episodes with you. It's all about digital clutter, so if you've got a ton of photos on your phone or files on your computer, you know who you are. You're going to be very glad you listened to this episode. Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. And I'm Kristen Chase, and we are the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawned, we are talking about expert tips and tricks for cutting down on digital clutter. And I know this is one that you are all going to want to hear because we are talking with an actual digital clutter expert. And as always, we will end our show with some new cool picks of the week. So today we are so happy to be joined by Josh Zirkel. He is going to get you and me and Liz and all organized. Definitely me. (laughs) (laughs) He's one of the world's first certified professional organizers, and he spent the last 13 years helping tons of people manage their technology to stay organized and boost productivity. Woohoo! And he also happens to be the director of global community and training at Evernote, which is an amazing organizational tool in itself. Welcome, Welcome, Josh. Josh. Hello, all. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm so excited to talk to you just about professional organizers organizing in general, because my stepmother is actually a professional organizer, and I'm completely fascinated by this world. Like, you really have to be a certain type of person, right? So what what drew you to this? Are you incredibly organized, or are you the kind of person who just organizes other people's stuff really well? So I think there are two types of people in the world. There are the people who are born organized, and then there are the people who learn how to do it. And I'm definitely one of those people that was born organized. When I was a kid, all of my toys were in alphabetical order. Whoa. <laughs> Comics were always in order. I really liked being neat and tidy, so I was very popular with the parents in the world. I was going to say your mom like won the labor prize when she gave birth to you. <laughs> Seriously, right? <laughs> uh, so like all through my life, I've always been like the organized guy at work, and I've had different jobs in more creative professions where people struggled with organization and productivity, and I would usually help them figure out how to be more organized, and eventually that spawned a career in professional organization. And so I've been working with people, as you mentioned, for over a decade, helping them figure out how to get control of all the things that we're never really taught how to get control over. Now, how would you define digital clutter? Because I know a lot of people are familiar with, like, the show Hoarding. (laughs) Hoarders, (laughs) And we know about, like, hoarders, and we know about stuff in our drawers, and I'm not not talking about myself at all as I stare into my bedroom and look at the pile (laughs) in my bed. No, we've talked a lot about KonMari and, like, various organization methods, but digital clutter is kind of different, Yeah. Yeah, it is. In a way, it's both more problematic and less problematic. More problematic because it's more insidious. It's because we are so digital in our modern lives. We use so many different devices and we're constantly taking pictures and receiving emails and getting documents and working on things that are digital. Digital clutter can be more insidious because it is everywhere on all of our devices all of the time. And it can really get in the way of us 
being more productive and just feeling organized. On the flip side, it can seem like less of a problem because we don't physically see it. It's not taking up space on our floor or on our desk or on our shelf. And so it's easier to ignore. For a lot of people I've worked with, this is kind of like the hidden problem that they're trying to tackle. Nobody sees it, so no one's calling them out on it but they themselves feel like it's a problem. Ah, no one's calling them out on it. I think that's a big one because, you know, I might have like 6,000 photos on my phone. I don't know about you, Liz, but that's me and no one can see them. And the only time they come out is when I'm trying to find a photo of my insurance card and I'm standing at the doctor's office trying to find it. Well, I think it's a really good point because you know if you've got dishes in the sink or like a pile of mail six feet tall, like I always do by my front door, that other people are going to see that. So you feel more of an obligation to get that organized. But you're right, when it comes to your digital tools, it's kind of just you. It's just you. And in a way, it's perhaps better that it's just you because the only one really affected by it is you. It's not like it's going to like hurt your relationships per se or make you embarrassed to have people over. But what it does create, and this is what I've seen most often, is a sense of stress. Like I can't find my file when I need it. When I'm at the doctor, I can't find my ID card or I can't find an important email from the teacher about my kids' grades. Like it's buried up to 10,000 that are in my inbox. So while it's not as visible, it can be just as, if not more stressful than the pile of dishes in the sink. That makes sense. And, you know, we were looking at this NIH study that describes that people are more productive, less irritable, less distracted with less clutter, which seems to jive with what you're saying. So have you seen like tangible, emotional or psychological benefits when people are able to declutter their digital lives? I've definitely seen people feel benefits from getting decluttered digitally, if that's such a thing. Oftentimes it takes the form of, I feel more at ease because Mm. I know where things are. And I'm not cluttering my computer or my devices with tons of junk. So for instance, all of us have a camera in our pocket. And so we're constantly taking pictures. And if you have thousands and thousands of pictures on your phone, how do you find the one that you need when you need it, when it's cluttered up with pictures that are either bad or irrelevant? So it's things as simple as that, all the way up to, you know, maybe you're running a small business and you're trying to find the important documents about your client's work. If you can't find those, you're not going to be successful. So there are different levels of stress that are associated with different types of digital clutter. But I've definitely seen when people get these, even under a little bit more control, they feel a lot better. We don't have to achieve perfection, but better is a good goal. And achieving even the smallest amount of headway into getting your digital clutter under control makes a big difference. Oh, I agree with you. And thank you for saying you don't have to be perfect because that's like the biggest weight. Like I always feel like it's got to be perfect or I can't start. (laughs) Yeah. Like it stops me from starting. So just hearing that like, you know, even baby steps are good is very encouraging. Well, I'm thinking about my computer right now and all the photos. I'm sure you're the same with me, Liz. Like all the images that we use on Cool Mom Picks, they're just piling up, piling up. And I know that even when I just go through them and trash the ones I don't need, it doesn't even take that long but oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I do. Wait, I feel Kristen, at ease. you are so much more digitally organized than I am. And I have to no, say I'm that's not. the one thing I keep up with. <laughs> I trash those pictures immediately. I can't believe I found one thing that I do faster than you do. I'm not though. I'm not. Okay. So Josh, tell us this. What are some of the common things that you see people tend to hoard digitally that they just don't need? Okay. So the first one you both already hit on it are photos. Oh yeah. Photos are great to keep. Keep the good ones, toss the bad ones. I have a general rule. If I don't look awesome in the picture or if the people who I'm with don't look awesome, 
the photo is going. <laughs> I like that. That's rule. a little different for parents, right? Because yeah. we think we look terrible in every photo and that our kids look great in every photo. So how do you deal with that when you're like a new mom that's taken 600 baby photos and everyone is perfect? Well, maybe you choose your 100 <laughs> perfect ones out of the 600 that you've collected. Some are going to be better than others. And I think all of us can admit like this one's a little better than that one. You don't have to ditch them all, but keep the ones that you really, really love. And know also that you'll be taking more photos later. So this is not the end point of your photo journey. This is like the midpoint. You're going to be taking more in the future. Create some space for those by getting rid of the ones that aren't showing you, your family, your friends, your life at its best. Yeah, I mean, I try to think back and I I don't say to myself, man, I wish there were a hundred more of these <laughs> photos. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that before. And so maybe that's also a good, you know, good thing to think about for people listening too. Like, do you ever go back and say, man, I wish I had like 600 more of those selfies of my kids on my phone. No one ever does. No one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think for me, like I travel quite a bit and I take photos when I travel, but now I'm in the habit of, uh, when I'm on the trip, I actually whittle down the photos as I go. And so if I end a trip that's a week long with like 10 or 15 really awesome photos, that's enough for me. I don't need hundreds to remember the, the time or the place. That's a really good point because when we had first started Cool Mom Tech, digital photography was still growing and DSLRs was still big. And so people were using, you know, smart cards to store their data. And sometimes you could only store like 100 photos on those disks. Mm -hmm. And so it forced you to pare it down. Well, a lot of phones these days have 64G or 128G. So that's tons of memory. Mm -hmm. Like you don't feel the need to have to delete photos as much. Yeah. So I wonder if like the technology, as much as it's evolved, it's also kind of hurting us in terms of our lives and how we tidy our digital clutter. I think that because we have so much space available to us, I mean, the adage in the world of organization is your stuff expands to fill the space available. And this is definitely true when it comes to things that are digital, whether it's photos or documents or music or whatever it might be for you. There's going to be so much space and there are going to be so many documents and other things that you can put in there, it's going to be hard for you to keep track of them if you don't whittle them down at least a little bit periodically. Yeah, I actually liked having a smaller phone. I'm sorry to jump in on you. I had yeah. like a, a phone with very little storage. And as frustrating as I sometimes got because I was having to delete things and get rid of apps, I have to say that I just had a better handle on things. Now I have a phone that I feel like is just, it's endless in terms of the amount of storage that I have. And I'm not as motivated to do anything about it. There's no like little thorn in my side pushing me to get rid of things. Yeah, there's no real danger there and you're running out of space. What I would suggest is rather than focusing on how much space you're taking up, focus on can you find the photos that you want when you need them or the documents yeah. that you want when you need them. So there are tools that help with this, like both Apple Photos and Google Photos. They let you tag faces. Yes, so that you can the Apple Photos one is amazing. Yeah. It's really spot on. Yeah, both are really great tools and they can really help with photo organization. So if you're going to be keeping photos, and I encourage people to keep photos, but keep the good ones, use tools that help you organize them and then find the actual things that you're looking for, whether it's people or events or locations, so that you're not just keeping photos for the sake of keeping them, you're able to actually retrieve them 
when and where you want to. I think that's a good point. And, you know, it made me think that I think a lot of the tech companies actually have a business benefit in keeping us from deleting things. Like if you think about Gmail, they want you to archive everything as opposed to trash it. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, even go onto the Gmail app, it's a few more steps to trash something than to just click archive. Like they want to be able to go through all of your email and see what you're writing about and send you targeted ads. And that, you know, if you think about even Google and Apple, they want to sell you more storage in the cloud. Mm -hmm. So it seems like they're actually kind of incentivized to make us feel more cluttered. In a way, there is a benefit to them of since they do harness your data for certain things, having more of it in there can help with that for their purposes. I think the lens to look at it through is what's useful for you? what What's helpful for you? What level of stuff to keep is meaningful for you? And pare your things down digitally to the spot that it feels best. And I, I think that's a really salient point about like sometimes when we had less space, it made us be more judicious about what we keep. Uh, and you can put those restrictions on yourself without having the actual storage limit there. You can just say like, you know, do I need all of these or can I do with 75% of them? Just getting in that habit of making sure that what you're keeping is actually good can help a lot. Tell me, what else do people hoard? Like, do you see similarities between what they're <laughs> hoarding in real life and what they're hoarding at home? Like, do people who have tons of photos on their phones often have shoeboxes full of photos? Are there similarities? Or are there differences between who hoards stuff digitally versus in real life? Because I, I do both. I will say I do Yeah. Both. Usually, if someone is hoarding one thing in the physical world, they tend to have a large collection of it in the digital world as well. <laughs> but, but I would say it's even more so. I see more people hoard, if that's the right way to frame it, which I'm not sure is, but they collect a lot of things in the digital world. More people do that than they do in the physical world because it's easier to, there's more space. So the types of things that I see that translate across both worlds, but I see perhaps more of in the digital world, photos, which we've already talked about, but also documents. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like I remember when <laughs> I used to work with people on paper files, they would keep all these old printouts and versions of documents that were so old, out yes. of date, not useful. And that is translated over the digital world as well, where they keep many multiple iterations and drafts of documents, even ones that are long since irrelevant, and they just hold on to them. And they're not sure why. They think they might need them someday, but usually they don't. <laughs> Josh, you're talking about me. I mean, li literally last month, I finally was like, I'm getting a paper shredder. And I went through boxes of stuff. And I'm in a small New York apartment. I don't have like extra storage space for boxes of stuff. And I mm -hmm. had taxes, boxes of taxes going back to like the late 90s. <laughs> and I was like, I oh. don't need these. And I had a shredding day until I burnt out the motor. <laughs> and it was great. It was the best feeling in the whole world. Like I realized I had moved from apartment to apartment throughout my life, carrying around all this crap with me. And to get rid of it was so great. And now, especially you've got so many tech tools to help digitize receipts. You know, I don't get um, any bills mailed to me anymore. Everything I try to do through electronic notifications and, and auto bill payments so that it's so nice, even like doing my taxes each year now, instead of going through the 10 shoeboxes of stuff, I'm really just kind of doing quick scans through bank and credit card statements and PayPal and just seeing what's what for the year. Yeah, it's so much easier. And one of the things I typically encourage people to do is not keep many multiple versions of documents, but keep one, keep the recent or most relevant one, and then put it in a spot, centralize all of the things that you're keeping digitally in one spot. Could be Evernote, which is my choice, but could be something else. Um, but make sure that you have a single place where you keep all of these things, whether it's your documents or drafts of them, the scanned receipts that you just mentioned, and the bills and the statements. Keep all of that stuff in one spot 
just make sure that everything that you have kept is in a spot that's searchable. Because what I find increasingly is the need for us to meticulously organize with like files and folders and subfolders like we used to isn't really necessary like it used to be because search is much more powerful now. Right. So being able to search and find your things, that is actually the most critical piece to staying digitally organized. For me, that's why I love Evernote because everything is searchable, even handwritten notes. But whatever the tool is for you, make sure that you're able to search and find the things that you need because once you start putting things inside of your computer, especially if you're scanning things, you need to be able to find them. So test out the tools out there and find the one that works best for you for searching. See, now here's the thing with me. Like you're talking about me when it comes to saving documents digitally. I am not someone who collects things in real life. I get rid of paper right away. I open my mail. I get rid of it. Yeah, you are good. I have a central spot for everything. I'm fairly organized. My problem is time. And I think there are a lot of parents out there that have this issue that they don't take the time once they download something or they're like, oh, wait, did I download it? I don't remember, let me download it two or three more times. And then you've got parentheses two, parentheses three <laughs> documents sitting in your computer. Mm -hmm. And I just don't have the time to sit there and go through everything. So what do you tell people? I mean, I'm sure there's tons of people, not just parents, people who are really busy. Is it something that you need to like spend time after? Do you recommend doing it while you're doing it to be conscious of, hey, you've downloaded this, put it in a spot, and then don't do it anymore. Like, what do you tell people like me? So what I would suggest is, unless you have time to actually process the thing that you're downloading right then and there, don't download it then. Because it's going to create multiple copies, which is not useful. Then it's probably going to also create, and this is what I see for a lot of people, this sense of homework. Like, I have this list of stuff I need to get to. When am I going to get to it? Uh, that's me. Yeah, and, and this <laughs> isn't a helpful feeling. So what I would suggest instead is, Wait until you actually have time to process and go through those things, whatever those items might be, whether it's a form you need to fill out or a letter that you need to send or something you need to read. Set aside maybe 15, 20 minutes at the end of each day when you know you'll have some quiet time, maybe after the kids go to sleep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> maybe this is a, a dream. Obviously. <laughs> short amount of time but no, that actually that is when we have 10 minutes to ourselves after the kids go to sleep so I, I think that's actually a great point and the truth is like this is the type of thing it usually requires some amount of focus so you probably do need to read something or process through something so doing it while distracted probably won't work so i wouldn't waste your time opening things or downloading things until you have those moments when you know you'll be able to actually sit down and do it. I think that's great advice. Yeah. yeah otherwise, you're opening the same thing multiple times. There's no point. Yeah, I, I think that's smart. There's so much research now. And I don't know if you've read any of this, Liz. I've been like super in tune with this whole idea of single tasking and how multitasking is like bad for your brain and it's bad for you stress wise. So you're basically not checking Facebook while doing the podcast. Is that what you're saying? Right, exactly. <laughs> I am not, Liz. No. But I mean, my problem is that, you know, through my college and grad school years, I sort of prided myself on being a multitasker. And I think a lot of parents do that. Like, we're very proud multitaskers, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, we're so good at this. But the problem is, and it sounds like from what Josh is saying, like, it can really affect you in a negative way. Because not only is it like it could physically affect you, but then you're just adding to the clutter that you have digitally in your home, et cetera, et cetera, when really, like you said, just taking time to say, you know what, I can't do this right now. I need to do this later, and then I'm going to be able to focus on it. Do you feel like, Josh, the immediacy of technology has kind of hurt that notion, though? Like, because everyone can text you right away. Like, when someone doesn't text you right back, we're like, 
what's that person doing? Why aren't they answering us? What's going on? (laughs) And I feel like it used to be easier. And now we just feel obligated that we have to do everything right now when it comes in. The same goes for email. I mean, tech is awesome, but do you feel like there's some negative sides to it? But yeah, something has to go to give, and it can be organization. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I I think the immediacy and the availability of technology in our lives has definitely affected us in both positive and negative ways. We have more information available at our disposable. We're able to keep in touch with people more easily. The flip side of that is there's a deluge of information. There's too much of it, Mm -hmm. and we're constantly under a barrage of notifications and things that we need to get to. So it's a double-edged sword. The healthiest thing I've seen for most people is to recognize the distinction between no versus not right now. Uh. And a lot of us have felt like, well, if I'm not responding right now, they're going to think X, Y, Z of me, or I have to get to this now or it's never going to happen. When in reality, we probably need to get more comfortable with the difference between no and not right now, which is I'm going to get to this, but now is not the right time. I'm going to get to this at a specified time that I've set aside later, maybe after the kids go to sleep. So I think there's a balance that we've never really been taught how to strike, and that is recognizing what needs an immediate response and what can wait. I love that. And you know what's so great? It makes me look at digital clutter in a different way because I realize it's not just about receipts and PDFs on your desktop and your inbox, but it's your text messages and it's your Slack channel and it's like all those notifications you're getting and things you have to respond to and things you have to uh, give your attention to, that that all adds up too in terms of like the, the mental clutter that comes from the digital space. Yeah, it's not the one thing. Any one of those things is manageable. It's the everything combined mm-hmm. that yes. becomes this general sense of digital overwhelm. And the only way that I've seen to detangle it is to tackle each one of those channels, each one of those sources, and say, here's how I'm going to approach this. For me, I personally have turned off all of my notifications. <gasps> me too. Me three. That's my number one tip. No <laughs> notifications. I feel a lot better. Suffice it to say, I know for certain I'm probably going to get some text messages during the day. I'm going to get some emails. I'm going to get a whole bunch of Slack messages. Do I need them in the instant in which they're sent to me? No. I love I, it. I think that's smart. And we actually moved our business onto Slack so that we knew that we could separate it from our email. And so now we don't have to check our email that often because anything important is coming through Slack that's business related. So it's kind of helped us to prioritize as well. I still don't check those all the time, though. Yeah. So <laughs> if you've decided for the truly important things, this is how I'm going to be communicating about them and this is how I'm going to be notified. And everything else that's coming via this other channel, I am deciding that it can wait a little bit. So it's really putting yourself back in the driver's seat, empowering yourself to manage over your digital domain. And letting other people know that you're going to do that. I actually did this for a week, a couple years ago, where I put my phone away when I was around my kids. So basically all morning until they went to school and then afternoon until bedtime. And I let people know because I had been so quick to respond that I felt like people were going to be surprised when I didn't. So I actually sent this group text out to people and just said, hey, if it's an emergency, then call me on my phone. Mm -hmm. Like actually call me. Otherwise, I will get to it during these times during business hours. And I have to say the level of stress certainly went way, way down. And you know what? Like it was okay. People got a hold of me if they needed to. Like life went on. It was, <laughs> I think that's what we're all yeah. worried about. We feel like life is going to stop. This is the most amazing thing of all is like when you take this step, it's very humbling in that the world continues to spin uh, <laughs> without you being instantly responsive. 
And it's very freeing in that I can actually live my life and not have this digital leash tethered to me every moment of every day. I can do things like spend time with my kids or with my family or enjoy a hobby or have a meal without responding to things all the time. I think that's awesome. And you know what? I want to get back to tips a little bit, Josh, because you started giving some really great tips in terms of, you know, just spending a few minutes at a time or not feeling like you have to tackle everything all at once. So I know it's better to have systems in place in the beginning or do it as you go along. But what do you say to busy people, busy parents who haven't started yet and just need to know where to start? Where do you start? Like, what's the first step so it doesn't feel so overwhelming? Yeah, it's okay to start wherever you are right now today. You don't have to magically be organized tomorrow. It's a process. So what I would say is a good starting point is whatever the spot in your digital domain that's driving you the most crazy begin there. So for instance, if you are having trouble putting your fingers on the scanned versions of your kids' birth certificates or your ID cards or your insurance documents, maybe you start by just creating a folder or an Evernote and notebook for those specific things, just so you make it easier to put your hands on those truly important things. On the flip side, if you're really looking to get started with your digital photos, maybe you spend 15 minutes today or five minutes or three minutes when you're waiting for an appointment or you're standing in line at the bank, go through the photos in your phone and just delete the bad ones. Start small. You don't have to rock your organizational world overnight. In fact, I think it's better if you really take it in small baby steps. I love that. I think that's good advice, too, especially, you know, we talk a lot about organizational tips of photos for parents. And sometimes we say also give yourself a little time because, you know, like you were talking about, Josh, how you just automatically discard the photo where you think you don't look the best. And that makes perfect sense. But when you're talking about your baby and you have less perspective or a kid and you think every picture is great, I feel like sometimes a few days or weeks or months of perspective actually is helpful. Yeah. Like I like now going back to my 2016 photos and getting rid of stuff because I can be like, no, 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 no. It's not as personal and close to me anymore. Yeah. Some distance usually helps. And this is true for pictures about really anything. Pictures are very personal, especially if they're ones that we ourselves have taken. We were the eye behind the camera. Mm-hmm. We lose perspective on it. So giving it some time, some distance can make a huge, huge difference there for sure. And honestly, The same is actually true for work product, things that you have created, whether it's drafts of documents or old projects, even schoolwork that you or your kids have done. Give it some time and some distance and you'll have a better sense of, you know, this one is not so great. This one is awesome. Mm -hmm. I love the reminder of it being a process, too, because I think so many of us and I know I'm a list person. I love crossing things off my list. And I feel like you just can't cross photo organization off of a list. (laughs) (laughs) And to remind yourself that it is a process that calms me, I have to say. (laughs) It makes me feel better. It is a process. And the truth is, I think most people consider organization as this thing you do once and it's done forever. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's an ongoing, lifelong, as long as you are alive process. And while that may be hard to hear, it actually, I think, can be helpful in a way to let yourself know that this is something you're going to be working on and getting better at for as long as you're around. And You don't need to be perfect at it today in order to get started. Now, how can we talk to our kids about this? Um, Liz and I both have tweens. My daughter's going to be a teenager in a month. I'm not ready. Yeah, I can't believe it. But they, (laughs) they are starting their own digital footprint. They have phones. They're taking photos. They've got documents from school. They have a lot of Minecraft screenshots. Oh, yeah, and those. So how can we, especially if we're feeling like we're not so great at this, how can we help our kids 
be great at it. Because I think especially for them, they're living in an almost complete digital world where we are kind of riding the fence, but they are not. So they don't have any printed photos. I think it might be really interesting as an experiment to ask for their help. Since we're talking about people who are truly digital native, maybe you ask them to say like, hey, you know, I'm wondering about how you're organizing your documents on your computer or your photos. Can you show me what you do? Because I'm looking for some ways to do it better. I love that. Wow, that's That is awesome. so smart. Look at you. I think there's more ownership, right, too? Like when they have something to say about it, then they're more apt to actually do it. I mean, it, it works like in the kitchen, right? Like when they make their food, they're more apt to eat it than if I make it. I, unless it's sage. Sage won't eat anything. Unless it's sage. But everybody yeah, else. Sage, yes. but <laughs> <laughs> Letting them feel like they have power over their own digital stuff and that you're acknowledging that is really powerful. And I'm guessing in that conversation, you will learn things from them. And then you can have a discussion around organizing their digital lives, how they're doing it, how you're doing it. And maybe you share tips and ideas together. Um, so listen, let me ask you about Evernote specifically for a minute, because so many of our readers through the years, especially on Cool Mom Tech, have told us that they love it. They've shared ways that they use it to keep their families more organized. But we know that also a lot of parents are scared to adopt one more thing, one more tool. Like I said, I was scared to even go to Slack, and it ended up mm -hmm. kind of changing my life. So for those of us who don't use Evernote, what do you think are some of the ways it can help organize your life, especially for parents? I think there's a lot of ways that Evernote can be useful. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Evernote, it's a note-taking tool, but much more. You can store lots of different types of documents, record audio notes, research on the web, and clip things to Evernote. It can basically be like that one spot where you put all of your important stuff, whatever that stuff may be. For parents, I've seen them use this in a variety of ways. One is They've created notebooks for each one of their kids. Oh, I love that. And they put documents about their kids in it, whether it's school stuff or birth certificates that have been scanned in, activities and calendars, like all of those things go into the notebook. And then it's really easy for them whenever they're on the go to just pull things up on their phone and find all of them. That's brilliant. That is really Plus, smart. Plus, like you said, everything's searchable, right? So if you scan in a birth certificate, you can still search for that information easily. Exactly. So for parents, I've seen this be really powerful because the last thing that you want to do when you're on the go and you need a document is to not either have it on you or not know where to find it. But if you can search for it, it's an Evernote. It's easy to grab, easy to get wherever you happen to be. I think that's fantastic. That's really helpful. I really hope our listeners take a look at that because if you have trouble with digital clutter like I do, and like Kristen does a little bit. Oh, I do. I, I totally do. Maybe that would be helpful. I'm so quiet because my brain is thinking. <laughs> I mean, I have four kids. Liz has two kids. It doesn't matter how many kids you have, but I know for me, having so many and they all need different things, but just just to know that I've got a copy of their passport and their birth certificate and the insurance cards and everything accessible to me and I don't have to rifle through my computer or my yes. phone. I mean, that just, I feel so relaxed. It's like I'm at the spa. <laughs> yeah, it's like going to the digital spa. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Grab yourself some spa water and you're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Tossing some cucumbers. Exactly. <laughs> So listen, Josh, you have so many great tips. Tell me where our listeners can find you. And I, I just do want to give a shout out to your Twitter feed because you have so many amazing organizational tips there. But where can they find you? So the easiest spot is Twitter. You can find me at Joshua Zirkel on Twitter. I do share a lot of tips there. I chat with people on there. You can send me your organizational questions. I'll be happy to answer them for you there. So that's probably the best spot. You can also find a lot of my tips on the Evernote blog. If you go to evernote.com and click on blog, you can find me there. And also on our Facebook page, I often post tips there. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. And hey, you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week, right? I will definitely stick around. Oh, I can't wait. So we'll be back with our Cool Picks and Josh's Cool Picks right after this. 
Hey, it's Kristen, and you know what? If you're like me, you try really hard to eat healthy, you know, the kale salads and the green smoothies. Yeah, you can tell it's Kristen, not Liz talking, right? But listen, most of us, no matter what we're eating, are not getting all of those essential nutrients that we need on a daily basis, which is why, yay, our sponsor, Ritual, is back. They are the obsessively researched vitamin for women, and you know Liz, our data nerd. Well, no surprise, when she was taking them and they were a sponsor back a few months ago, she loved them. So Rituals Essentials have all the nutrients that most of us are not getting from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms, no shady additives or ingredients that can actually do more harm than good for your body. And, you know, you get two easy-to-take capsules, nine nutrients. Come on now, that is so easy. And, you know, parents, we love easy. Think of Rituals Essential for Women as the multivitamin reimagined. And if you're a data nerd like us, then I'm going to tell you the nitty gritty. They've got everything from D3 to omega-3, and their no-nausea capsule is designed to be gentle on your empty stomach. Then there's a little mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh so you don't get that gross, fishy aftertaste. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're an obsessive label reader, it's all cool. They're vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free with their ingredients and their sources. So it's all there for you to read. You don't need me to read it to you. You can get their bottle and do it yourself. And they get delivered right to your door, people. It's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every single month. And Ritual is offering Spawn listeners 10% off during your first three months. So you can fill in the gaps in your diet with the essential for women, which is a very small step in keeping you healthy which is important for your kids, for you, for your partner, for everyone around you. You need to be healthy. So go to ritual.com slash spawn to start your ritual today and save 10% off during your first three months. Go to ritual.com slash spawn to save 10%. All right. Well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. We are very polite around here, Josh, and we let the guests go first. So you're up. What do you have for us? Okay, I have a book and a couple of apps, if that's all right. Yeah. Okay, so we've chatted a bit about digital clutter. One thing we didn't talk about was time management, which is Mm. often a big challenge for people, especially people who are juggling home, family, work, etc. I have one book that I recommend. I really, really love it. It's called It's About Time, The Six Styles of Procrastination and How to Overcome Them. Say no more. I need it. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the best books I've ever read about time management. It's really short really digestible and has a lot of great tips and advice in it. That's great. Thank you. And then did you want to recommend some apps as well? Yeah. So there's two apps that I would like to recommend. First, if you have time to do pleasure reading, there's two apps I use for this. One is called Feedly, which Mm -hmm. collects articles and your favorite blog posts from around the web and curates them so that you can read them all in one magazine style format. So I use Feedly as the place to collect all of my articles. And then for the ones that I actually want to read, I clip them over to Pocket, which is another oh, app. Oh, one of my favorites. I love Pocket. Yeah. Getpocket.com. Yes, Pocket is amazing. And what I love about it is I commute to work on the train. And it can be really crowded, and I don't always have room to like open my phone and like read an article. But it has this awesome text-to-speech feature where it will read me the articles. And so I often get through my homework list of articles very rapidly on the train 
because I'm just listening to them. Those are great. Those are all so great. In fact, we've covered those on Cool Mom Tech. And you will see links to everything we talked about today, all of Josh's cool picks, our cool picks. If you go to coolmompicks.com, we'll have them all uploaded for you. So Kristen, how about you? What's your cool pick this week? So if digital clutter is making you feel anxious and stressed, <laughs> you like my segue? That's a good segue. Maybe you need a weighted blanket. Those are my favorite things. I've featured them on Cool Mom Picks before. They can help kids with anxiety. They can help you if you just need to calm down. They're just a heavy weighted blanket. The one I have is 40 pounds and I love it. But you know what? They can be expensive. So our editor, Kate, actually made one herself and saved herself a ton of money. So if you go over to Cool Mom Picks, we'll put it up on our podcast page. She has a complete tutorial on how to make your own. And actually, I was looking at it. You don't have to be a super sewer. I mean, you need to know how to use a sewing machine, but you can make your own and like they can be like two to $300. And I think it cost her like maybe under $50. So way to go, Kate. I love it. That's great. Yeah. I I'm, want that. Yes. Do you have a weighted blanket? Do you Have you ever heard of them, Josh? No, but it makes me think of like when you go to the dentist and they put that heavy thing on you when you get x-rays. I <laughs> yes. always find something really relaxing. Yep, then you would love it. You would love it. I actually bought my first one for my son who has some sleep problems and his is about 15 pounds and I laid it on top of him and he was like this is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and since then I've like spread the word. I bought one for myself. Everyone who hears it and thinks it sounds awesome, they're usually the right people to get them. When people are like, oh that sounds terrible, yeah, don't get one. But if it sounds awesome to you, they're totally worth trying. Yeah. That's very cool. Plus, hey, saving money. We like that. All right, Liz, what do you got? All right. So every Friday, the readers of Cool Mom Picks will know we do web coolness where we share. It's almost like a whole day of cool picks of the week where we just share all the cool things we're finding around the web. And this week, we found this incredible video. It's called uh, Fierce from a page called Fierce by Me Too, M-I-T-U. And what it was was a compilation of all these incredible graduation caps. Did you see this, Kristen? No, I'm going to watch it, though. It's so it sounds cool. awesome. It turns out that lots of grads this year and the Latina community in particular have been using their graduation caps to create messages and works of art that either talk about their accomplishment, inspiration, quotes they love, gratitude to family members. But they are amazing, like museum ready, gorgeous caps. And so we featured one with this incredible Frida Kahlo illustration on it. And as I kind of poked through to find where it came from, I found this woman, Danielle Jade. She's an LA artist. I found her on Instagram at rjade2, number two. And if you look at her work, it's unbelievable. She's been customizing some of these hats and they are mind-blowing. Like everything from Star Wars to Frida Kahlo to just like cool typography. And I love that. I mean, I took some like really bad electrician's tape and made a message on my graduation cap <laughs> at the college. So did I. Wow, if I just waited a few more decades, I could have had like really gorgeous art. So anyway, it's cool. And I just love that the Latina community overall has like come together to kind of use that space to say something empowering and positive and, you know, take a stand about their futures and thank those that paved the way for them. So take a look at that. It's Fierce by Me Too on Facebook or at Cool Mom Picks. Just look for our recent web coolness post and you can find links to it. It's really worth a look. Yay. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Spawn. 
end. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. Of course, thanks to our special guest, Josh Zirkel. And hey, thanks to all of our listeners. We love hearing from you. It's been so fun seeing some of the new reviews on iTunes. It makes us so happy. Yes. So be sure to subscribe to our episodes. You can do it right from iTunes. And some of you who don't listen on iOS, you've been writing to us and saying, well, how else can I listen to you? Now, I have to say I'm a little confused by that because I'm thinking if you're listening to us, then you know how to listen to us. <laughs> but you can always go to Cool Mom Picks and click on podcast in our menu and you'll see all the episodes. We have them downloaded so you can listen to them right on our page. You can go through SoundCloud. You can go through Stitcher. Pretty much any podcast app, we are there. Yeah. And you know what? Drop us an email if you've got show suggestions, guest ideas, just want to say hi. Drop us an email. It's spawned at coolmompicks.com. Hit us up on Twitter at coolmompicks with a hashtag spawn show. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.